This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The death toll from the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria on Monday surpassed 20,000. Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, acknowledged that there were problems with his government's response. Many Turks have complained that state rescue teams lacked expertise and appropriate equipment, and that they were slow to arrive, even though people remain trapped under rubble. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky arrived in Brussels to address the European Parliament. During his speech, he thanked European leaders for their support and reiterated Ukraine's desire to join the bloc. On a surprise trip to London and Paris on Wednesday, Mr. Zelensky repeated his calls for the West to provide fighter jets to his country. Western allies have so far refused to send warplanes. Nelson Peltz, an activist investor, said that his proxy fight with Disney had ended after Bob Iger, the company's chief executive, unveiled a large restructuring program that included 7,000 layoffs. Mr. Peltz had criticized Disney's corporate governance before his firm, Trian, launched the proxy fight in January. He said that Disney now plans to do everything he had envisaged. The State Department said that the Chinese balloon shot down over the Atlantic on Saturday was part of a sophisticated network of similar surveillance devices which China has operated over more than 40 countries across five continents. The department also said America was confident the balloon was made by a firm with direct links to China's military. Annual inflation in Germany fell in January, which may demand a revision of Eurozone inflation figures released last week. The publication of Germany's data had been delayed due to technical issues. Germany's harmonized index of consumer prices dropped from 9.6% in December to 9.2% last month. Economists polled by Reuters had expected a rise to 10%. Credit Suisse recorded its largest loss since the financial crisis in 2008, as it struggled to restore confidence after a series of social media rumors questioning its liquidity and capital position emerged last year. The Swiss bank reported a loss of 1.4 billion Swiss francs, $1.5 billion, as both its investment banking and wealth management business suffered. That took its annual loss to 7.3 billion Swiss francs. Meta restored Donald Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts, which were suspended shortly after the Capitol insurrection on January 6, 2021. Earlier, the social media firm announced its decision to reinstate the former president's accounts, concluding that his threat to public safety had sufficiently receded. Twitter restored Mr. Trump's account in November, but it has sat idle. And fact of the day. 45,755. The number of people who came to Britain in small boats across the English Channel in 2022. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Turkey reckons with the aftermath of disaster. Across the disaster zone, hundreds of bodies are being pulled from the rubble every hour. Increasingly few are found alive. The death toll from the earthquakes that struck southern Turkey 
and northern Syria on February 6th has already exceeded 20,000 people, with more than 16,000 killed in Turkey alone. Rescue efforts are ongoing, and aid is flooding in. Even so, tens of thousands of people probably remain buried. At least 6,000 buildings in Turkey were destroyed. Countless more are barely standing. Turkey's shoddy building standards, often a product of corruption, have compounded the suffering. Even scores of new structures, supposedly quake-proof, have folded like houses of cards. Since a disaster in 1999, Turkey has collected an earthquake tax to fund disaster prevention and relief. Critics say the money was spent elsewhere. The priority now is surviving. Once the dust settles, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan and his government will have hard questions to answer. Google's AI chatbot woes. Alphabet is learning how much damage a chatbot can do. On Wednesday, BARD, an artificially intelligent program developed by Google's parent company, failed to impress investors and presented a factual error in an advert. The blunder was compounded by comparisons with Microsoft, which on Tuesday showed off how its search engine Bing and browser Edge would be enhanced by AI. Microsoft is using models developed by OpenAI, the firm behind ChatGPT, an eerily perceptive chatbot. Alphabet's market value has since lost $170 billion. The route has less to do with Google's gaffe than with the impression that Microsoft has stolen a march on its rival. Google is yet to demonstrate how exactly BARD will integrate with Search. More competition and the use of expensive chatbots in Search will mean lower profit margins, which will be especially painful for Google. Markets will watch closely to see how much users like the improved Bing and how Google responds. Lula goes to Washington. Luiz Ignacio Lula da Silva, the president of Brazil, will visit President Joe Biden in Washington on Friday. Lula's objectives are to discuss the climate crisis and how to strengthen democracies, as well as Brazil's role in new geopolitics. To that end, Lula is planning to make one international excursion a month, including to China, after March. Brazilian diplomacy typically favors neutrality. In the past, Lula has too. During his first two terms as president, from 2003 to 2010, he managed to maintain strong ties with America and China. The latter now buys around a fifth of Brazil's exports. In his inauguration speech on January 1st, Lula promised to again have relations with everybody. But Brazil and the world have changed since he was last in office. The relationship between America and China is more tense, and Lula's reluctance to support Ukraine has caused friction with Western leaders. His noncommittal stance may not work as well this time. Can China keep avoiding inflation? China has mostly dodged the inflation roiling the rest of the world. Its zero-COVID regime restricted movement and took a heavy toll on Chinese morale. That suppressed consumer spending more effectively, ultimately, 
than it did infection. But now that China has abandoned lockdowns and quarantines, its consumers are shopping, dining, and movie-going again. There is much talk of revenge spending. Will China also suffer from revenge inflation? Figures to be released on Friday are likely to show that inflation increased in January, but not by much. Forecasters expect that consumer prices rose by 2.2% compared with a year earlier, up from 1.8% in December. Food prices should soften later in 2023 as China's pork cycle turns. The ongoing property slump will keep rents subdued, and the economic slowdown elsewhere, partly engineered by central banks to stop inflation, could keep a lid on the price of commodities. The rest of the world fighting inflation so earnestly means that China might not have to. An Extraordinary Exhibition of Vermeer's Paintings The Vermeer exhibition that opens in Amsterdam on Friday is an extravaganza. The Rijksmuseum is showing 28 paintings by Johannes Vermeer, the most ever assembled in one place. They represent around three-quarters of his surviving works. One was stolen in Boston in 1990 and hasn't been seen since. The pieces have been gathered from seven countries, despite the typical reluctance of institutions to loan out such paintings. The Rijksmuseum has sold more advance tickets for Vermeer than for any previous show. It is easy to see why. The exhibition traces the development of the artist's technique, the leap he made to depict interiors, and the way he honed his mastery of perspective, color, and, above all, light. Vermeer died penniless in 1675, aged just 43, but today he is an artistic deity. For fans of The Milkmaid and Girl with a Pearl Earring, this show is a once-in-a-lifetime thrill. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Bertolt Brecht, who was born on this day in 1898. To live means to finesse the processes to which one is subjugated. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.